Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, and thanks for listening to the podcast. My name's April, but you might know me as the Podzilla. I've decided that I really want to share some things that I know because I know now that I didn't always know what I know, but now I do. (laughs) So every week, I'll be sharing bite-sized real talks with advice that you didn't even know you needed. If you already follow me online, then you know that I love talking about why everybody is a good body. But there's lots of things that I didn't know about body positivity and activism that I'd love to share with you, as well as sharing my advice as a fat person so that you, like me, can become more inclusive and happy with your own body. I'm here to learn, teach and grow. So if you are too, subscribe to hear from me whenever a new episode drops. Welcome back to episode two of season two of the podcast. Today's episode features a guest, Hannah Diviny. You would be forgiven for thinking Hannah's last name is pronounced Diviny because she is simply divine. Not only is Hannah a writer and disability advocate, but she's also a global campaigner for a disabled Disney princess and a nominee for 2022 Young Australian of the Year. At 22 years of age, Hannah has already become the editor-in-chief of Missing Perspectives, an online publication that shares the views and stories of marginalised people, and the founder of Crazy Cozy Climb, which you'll hear a little bit more about during the episode. Join me for a super special chat with Hannah, who is one of the most amazing people I've connected with online. I can't wait for you to hear everything she has to say. Thank you so much, Hannah Diveny, for being here. I am so excited to have you as my first season two guest. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe we finally like made this work. I I feel like for anyone listening, April and I have a lot of conversations in DMs, so it's so nice to be able to actually record this and have a proper conversation that you guys get to hear too. Yes, and to be able to see each other because obviously all of our conversations are um, messages, so, yeah, we don't do yeah. a lot of a lot of face-to-face, so to speak, face-to-screen. Um, well, again, thank you so much. I am super pleased to have you on the podcast and the reason that I wanted you to come on and, and talk about you and how amazing you are is because I am just in awe of all of the things that you've achieved and the fact that this is just the beginning. To me, I just think this is the the start of your star being on the rise. You have already done so much and there is so much yet to come. You're a writer, you're a disability advocate, you're the editor-in-chief at Missing Perspectives. You've been featured by uh, Hello Sunshine, which of course we know is a Reese Witherspoon initiative. So that's pretty amazing. And you've been nominated for next year's Young Australian of the Year. Is there anything I've missed? Oh, just a worldwide campaign for Disney to bring us a disabled princess. 
no big deal. Just a couple of little yeah, achievements. Just a just a tiny one there. Amazing. So did I miss yeah. did I miss anything major, or do you think that covers the, the main I things? I think that co- I think that covers everything that I can talk about for now. There's oh, oh more okay. Stuff coming, <laughs> the NDAs but, be flying, girl. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. I love it. Um, amazing. So Hannah, um, I would love to hear, first of all, the reason that I know who you are is because of your, um, your call to Disney to include a princess with disabilities in their Mm -hmm. princess series. Obviously we know diversity is a major reason that, um, a lot of us end up connecting online because we see people that we go, wow, that person's so interesting. They're talking about such a, a topic that I don't know enough about. And so when you actually put out your um, your call to them through change.org, like what what started that? What was what was the key to unlocking that moment of going, I'm gonna ask them for this and I'm not gonna stop asking until they do it? Um, well, actually the quest to kind of ask them the question um, began in 2015. I went and saw the Pixar film Inside Out with my family. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, they've done a really great job of giving mental health, which is probably not what people think of when they think of kid-friendly topics, typically. They've done a really good job of making it accessible and nuanced so that kids can understand it, but so that it has still plenty of layers for adults to enjoy, which is what I find the best animation does, is it has plenty of layers for for all the adults and parents watching. Um, and basically after that, I wrote them an open letter that got published online by Mamma Mia. And from there, I got a job working for Mamma Mia, but that's another story. We can get to that later. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of this particular round of, um, I guess, conversation with change.org, that started because I was noticing that over the course of the pandemic and a bunch of other kind of social movements that coincided with that, there was a lot of really powerful discussion being had about systemic inequalities and discrimination and all of that kind of stuff. And there was a lot of talk um, at the time about Sia's new film, Music, and the potential, and for those of you who can't see, April is currently shaking her head. Making the frustrated in, face and just wondering in why. In despair. Why? Yes. Why? Yes, yes, yes. So, so basically people were starting to have that conversation because obviously um, her portrayal of autism is quite harmful. And then that was leading to a broader conversation about representation on screen and kind of the effect of what they call cripping up, which is basically where an able-bodied, actor or actress takes on a disabled role and then gets something like an Oscar for their trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically I saw that window and was like, right, I have this window. I'm going to dive through it and yes. see what happens Straight on the other through. side. Yeah. Um, and so we launched the petition on December 3rd, 2020, which is not coincidentally um, the International Day of People with Disabilities. It was a very strategic choice yeah, on our part because we absolutely. figured disabled issues get the megaphone on days like that and they don't necessarily get that space on an average day. Um, 
So, which is something that we need to change, obviously. And that's part of the work that you do is um, obviously wanting to make it a mainstream issue so that we can start to see that equality and see that undoing and that breaking down of those systemic inequalities that you mentioned before. I just think it's amazing and you've had so much great traction. You've had so many people support the petition and and I am so proud of how you've continued to build on that. Uh, it's oh, really special. You. And, you, I mean, you're very young and yeah, I feel I'm like... I'm only 22. Only 20, just like Taylor Swift. She's feeling 22. And um, <laughs> who, of course, Taylor Swift is a very apt mention as you are a Swifty yes. mega fan. Um, I as am I. As am I. Like I, I am a huge fan of Taylor Swift, especially um, in the last probably three to five years. But mm-hmm. I just think you have achieved so much. So on that, I think we know that you worked with Mamma Mia, you've written for them, you've started the petition, and now missing perspectives can we talk a little bit about missing perspectives we certainly can so missing perspectives is i guess in the scheme of things still a pretty brand new baby we only launched in june of this year um we were founded by a friend of mine phoebe saintelin who was basically doing some work and came across this report by the gates foundation that showed that women were feeling extremely underrepresented in like news, media, policy, decision-making, all of that stuff. And so she decided to do something about it. Um, Originally, I was only supposed to be contacted as a writer because her mum had actually taught me in primary school and kept tabs on me kind of throughout the- teachers are amazing and we love teachers. Throughout the years and teachers- Teachers are amazing and they need more money and support for anyone listening who has the power to pay teachers more. That is a very not subtle hint for you to support teachers better, whoever's listening, yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we got talking because she was like, I don't have any editorial experience. I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, well, I kind of have a little bit. Like I've sort of absorbed different stuff from either reading lots of different publications or working there or having kind of a decent freelancing career and seeing how different um, people do things and sort of cherry picking things I like about what they do and making sure to steer away from things that I don't like necessarily that they do. And yeah, we've sort of built it from the ground up. Um, And you mentioned before the Reese Witherspoon um, Hello Sunshine collaboration, which is amazing. Yes. Well and that happened, that happened last week. So we've definitely had some growth, I think, in terms of our um, visibility. But, yeah, we have writers from over 40 countries and an audience in 100. Amazing. And, look, you know, yeah. that to me, I think, the missing perspectives that will now be able to be covered in those places and the yeah, ways I ho- that I hope so. Yeah. And, and, and sharing your perspectives and the perspectives of the people that you platform through, through the publication. I just think that's wonderful. So nominated for young Australian of the year. How much of a surprise was that? You could have knocked me over. I mean, to be fair, I have no balance. So knocking me over is, <laughs> is not that difficult. Yeah, and it's all right. You can laugh at that because 
it's true stop myself that was oh my you have the most impeccable sense of timing like you really are one of the funniest people I know oh my goodness but um in in terms of like expecting that that was not something that I thought would happen um it was said in jest to me well I thought it was in jest but it turns out they were deadly serious um at the end of this event that I do called the crazy cozy climb which I co-founded which basically sees people with cerebral palsy and their families um climb Mount Kosciuszko which for anyone who doesn't know is Australia's highest point and as a result of that officially one of the seven summits of the world um which is definitely not something I think most people would imagine within the scope of a disabled person's capabilities. So that's kind of the whole point. But basically, we just wrapped that um, in February earlier this year. We do, we do it in February every year. And I had given this speech and a bunch of people were coming up to me, congratulating me on the speech and saying how good they thought it was and how much they'd love the event. And one of our kind of key sponsors, who is a very well-connected individual, came up to me and said, I think that's Young Australian of the Year material right there. And I I just laughed him off because what else are you supposed to do when someone (laughs) says that to you? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also that imposter syndrome pesky thing. You're like, yeah, Mm. that's not that's not for me, that space. Um, And then it was one of those things where. I had kind of assumed that it was a comment that was well-intentioned, but that like no action would come from it. Just one of those things that people say in the moment that they definitely mean, but just life gets in the way, mm. all that kind of stuff. But there and was not few, a lot of action behind those words. You, you yeah. just didn't think that that was something that was going to happen. Just because I, I had no idea what the process looked like. I, don't, I didn't know anything about it. And then a couple of weeks later, I got, I got a call um that was like no I I was serious about nominating you um how do we go about doing this let's do it uh so we did and we're kind of obviously still waiting to see what happens I think state finalists for each award get announced at like the end of this month or early November so we'll see if I made it that far but um yeah, it just blows me away because I definitely wasn't um, expecting that sort of thing. And then um, the other thing is that I was initially really hesitant to take it because I was like, "Uh, I'm not really in it for like personal glory or gratification or any of that sort of stuff. So like, I I don't know that I really want all that attention. Like, that's not really me. Like I, I very much, I'm a private person. And then I think um, watching obviously what Grace Tame has done with her Australian of the Year portfolio um, this year and trying and like looking at the ways in which she has made the conversation not about her, but at the broader issue at hand, yeah. when I kind of sat there and thought this could be a really powerful moment for disability issues for disability representation like I would end up just being the messenger it doesn't have to be about me um then I was like okay we can 
we can give this a go. I'm so happy that you did. And I, I completely agree. Look, I personally quite like attention, so I, I would be fine with being um, offered an award of, of any sort. Um, but <laughs> I, I appreciate... I think that's such an indication of who you are, who you come across to be to me is someone who's really doing this because you genuinely want to change the world. Not because you like a pat on the back. It's not because you want to, you know, everyone to talk about how great you are, even though you are great. Thank um, you. But it, this for you is a cause that you want to champion. You don't necessarily yeah. want to be the face of it. You, so, you just simply want to uplift other people and you want to get these messages out where they can be heard by people who can actually make the change and therefore be someone who makes yeah. the change themselves. And I think I was explaining this to someone the other day. I said everything that I do is in service of the idea that I want it to be better for whoever comes after me because... You're just amazing. I just adore I you. grew up not having really any sort of role models or even an idea of like what disabled adulthood could look like. Yeah. Like literally I was just like, I have no idea what the future um, could look like. And it, it, it was quite a blank page, not in necessarily that like it's filled with possibilities, but in the it like the literal unknown. fact of like, I yeah. don't know what goes here because I've never seen it before. And I know that I don't want to be a Paralympian for reasons that, like, I guess there's nothing specific that means that I don't want to be a Paralympian. I just always chafed against the idea that that was the only path of success for me because yeah. I grew up um, the oldest of three girls, so I have two younger sisters who are yeah. both obviously able-bodied and fiercely sporty and very physically active which is a whole nother thing to grow up with but mm -hmm. basically I would look at them and be like well hold on you're not assuming that they want to be Olympians you're not asking them what their Olympic sport is going to be yeah um, because number one you understand that only the elite of the elite get to the Olympics and number two you understand that not everybody wants to get there so why should I and yeah. also, what happens if I don't? Like, um, I think it was during that SBS special, What Does Australia Really Think About Disability? That yeah. Kurt Fernley was talking about the gap between the respect that he gets as a Paralympian versus the gap um, that other people with disabilities at the same respect that they get. Mm -hmm. um, which brings us to all sorts of narratives about like um, the whole overcoming your disability idea, which is just toxic and really painful because I guess it's like saying I'm going to overcome my eye colour. Like I can't, yeah. I can't change it. Um, Part of who you are. And it, and so it's, yeah. yeah. So everything that I achieve is always going to be with my disability firmly in hand, I think. Um, yeah. As much as I didn't want it to be when I was a kid, I, I hated being disabled, yeah. which means essentially that I hated myself. Yeah. Um, and like the level of, I guess, um, damage that can be baked into you when you don't 
get the right representation or when the only representation that you see ends up being harmful yeah. is really dangerous. And that's the reason why um, I guess the Disney campaign is so important to me because I'm like, well, if we can start at that age and if we can start making it normal from there, then hopefully um, kids don't have to grow up feeling that way. And on the flip side, it makes able-bodied kids who are watching, it means that they're already starting on the path to being allies yeah. because it's not scary. It's it's become a conversation, you know, like um, I suppose where we feel more comfortable because we've been so privileged to be given all of this free education in, in a lot of cases from people like yourself, um, Carly Finlay, Kurt Fernley, um, Dylan Alcott, people who are public speakers who talk about disability and how it, you know, is affected, their, how it has affected their lives, but also how we as allies who are not part of the disability community can really help um, aside from the obvious moments of being able to say, hey, being ableist is not cool, which, you know, is is the bare minimum. Um, but, you know, I think that that privilege that we've had to learn from all of you allows people like me, you know, I have a child, to have conversations that I feel comfortable talking about. Okay, yeah. yes, you know, you know, there's a person in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah, well, some people use wheelchairs and um, some people don't. That's, I mean, I, I, I don't kind of dig too deep into it. It's just about saying, yeah, some people have wheelchairs. It doesn't, we don't need to make a big deal out of it for that person. That person doesn't need us to, you know, have a whole story around what they're doing just to understand, yep, some people do and some people don't. We had a great chat yesterday about the noise that the traffic lights make, like the, the, the beeping oh. when you go to cross. And yeah. my, my child said, oh, why is it making a noise? What's that noise? And I said, oh, it's it's for the light. You know how when we see the green man, we know we're allowed to cross. Well, if we couldn't see that, we would still have to know when to cross. He goes, yeah, well, some people don't have any eyes. I said, well, that's right. And he said, yeah. And then we kept walking. It, it really didn't have to be a big deal. You're raising a good ally there. I'm, I'm doing my best 100%. You really are. No. So. Um, and that's one of the things that I always try and tell people because, like, I um, have always, since I was a kid, attracted the stares of other kids. Hmm. And my mum has always taught me that it's really important um, for me to engage them as much as I can. Now, that works sometimes but sometimes parents are really embarrassed or they go, oh, no, we don't have to talk about that, or, like, they reprimand their, their kid for staring at me or for coming over or that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I would just prefer that you come and ask me the question, like, yes, I know that it's emotional labour on me and you don't want to bother me, but really if I can just make it that little bit easier or that little bit less strange... So that the next time it happens, maybe your son or daughter reacts differently. I mm -hmm. think I think that's good. Yeah, and I, I appreciate kind of that acknowledgement of you saying, I know it's emotional labor, because there are going to be people who, who are not open to that. And that is so okay. That yeah. choice, just the same way if someone came up and said to me, well, like, why are you fat or why is your hair green? Because they're the most, the most common question I get when I talk to some, some child I've never met before is why is your hair green? 
And I just say, why not? <laughs> because like, what's the answer? Yeah. Um, really, in the simplest terms, why not? Um, and I think it's, it's, it's that your willingness is something that I really admire about you. But I think we also, um, if you were to say, I don't want to have to have this conversation today, I'm exhausted because that is the reality that sometimes you're just like, I feel like I've said this 400 times and it's only Wednesday, Yeah. Um, that you are allowed to say that too. And I think people need to really try hard to um, gauge when it's the right moment to say, maybe you should ask Hannah why she's in a wheelchair. Because then you'd say, well, yeah. this is why. Or you would just say, I use it to get around. And hopefully they could realise that that's the end of the conversation. Goodbye. Thank you. Generally with kids, I, I always try and have that openness because I'm like, well, they don't know. Yeah. They, they don't know that I've been asked that question 400 times or they don't know that I got really sad because I, it frustrated me that I couldn't get out of bed by myself this morning or whatever it was. So with them, yeah. I always try and be open. Um, sometimes you get adults who um, are a little bit more invasive necessarily mm. um and and that's a bit like guys please don't yeah yeah just let me do just let me do my thing yeah like anyone it, else just it doesn't even necessarily yeah yeah it doesn't even necessarily come out in the form of a question like it'll be like this used to happen quite regularly when, when I was traveling to and from uni um because I still technically am at uni for a couple more weeks um, and then I finished my degree, but I've done two years of it online and two years traveling back and forth to Wollongong, um, which means taking the train and the bus. Um, so dealing with public transport, you're obviously dealing with a huge cross section of the population. Yeah. And they would ask me where I'd come from or what I was doing. And I would say, oh, I've just come back from uni or I'm just going to uni. And for a split second, you'd be able to see their brain have to completely sort of recalibrate their idea of me. Yeah, because that um, wasn't the answer that they were expecting because no, they already made up a story about you in their head. Yeah, or some people will automatically assume like, oh, you've come from TAFE, right? And I'm like, no, no, I'm doing a double degree at uni. Like, and look, yeah, that's, I mean, I went to TAFE um, and, yeah, and and loved it, but there was no reason for anyone to make that assumption. There's no reason. Yeah. It's all biases, whether they're subconscious or, you know, unconscious, um, you know, they are biases and they're things that you compete against every day because people are telling themselves stories about strangers. Yeah, and I guess, like, there's other biases there to unpack, which would obviously be that, TAFE is still seen somewhat as a like lesser form of education when in reality it's not we all need people with those skills to help us get through our lives and I think one thing I hope the pandemic teaches people is maybe not to take people for granted so much yeah the value of frontline workers and people who do jobs that um, have not always been considered to have the same prestige as something like yeah. a lawyer or a, a doctor, although we know doctors haven't been treated all that well. Um, you know, I, do, I totally agree. I do think that there is probably a bias around what education has value um, mm-hmm. and and prestige. And I think that's another another thing. Just And that's where, you know, in the past I've talked about intersectionality and that's one of those things where we think people who learn in an educational institution that's not necessarily surrounded by accolades 
don't learn things that are not as important as other people. They just learn differently. Yeah. And in a different environment. And potentially some might say in a more open environment because typically our institutions are surrounded by people who generally look the same. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, we've seen recently in the news conversations around certain educational institutions um, and the types of people who leave those institutions Mm -hmm. to go on to not necessarily be the people that we want in our lives. So, yeah, I think that we really, (laughs) I think we both know what we're talking about. Um, But I just, Uh, I do think that we need to make space in our own minds for the possibility that nobody is what you're expecting them to be because the only experience that you might have of someone is that first impression. And so you need to allow that person to make their impression before you decide who they are and what they're about. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. So uh, Hannah, you're also someone who works quite closely with the CPA uh, and Cerebral Palsy Alliance are an organization whom I hold in high esteem, uh, not only for the work that they do, but because I have uh, a couple of friends who also benefit from the work that they do. And Yeah, is there anything, you know, in terms of the work that you've done with them, is there anything that you've seen as you've done that that, that's really, like, warmed your heart? Have you seen any moments in your work with CPA that you go, oh, my God, this is why I do what I do? Um, Yeah, so I I was really lucky to get to hold a Instagram Q&A for them on World CPA Day, which was the 6th of October, and that was basically just answering people's questions about CP and just like busting common myths and all that kind of stuff. But I got some lovely DMs that were sort of along the lines of, um, we're really glad that our um, son or daughter with CP or friend or whatever has someone like you to look up to. We are really happy that like our able-bodied kids will get to see what you do and just, um, I'm also really fortunate that Cerebral Palsy Alliance has given me a monthly column um, which, in which I get to essentially be the adult that I never got to see for yes. other kids That's, coming yeah. through, which is, like I said, exactly the reason why I do everything that I do. So yeah. getting the opportunity to um, really exist in those spaces and to hear from the people who know what my life looks like that they appreciate what I'm doing um that's kind of the greatest form of compliment that I could ever get really really wonderful and I think you you spoke before about feeling like uh adulthood was a bit of a blank page for you and so Mm -hmm. now you get to fill in that page with a little bit of your experience something for them to go yeah I turn the page there's something to know where I can you know what I can do and where I could land as far as chasing dreams and and believing that you can do whatever it is that you want to do and in your case what you want to do is make the world a better place yeah and I I definitely think like we need disabled representation in every arena so we need disabled lawyers we need disabled teachers we need disabled doctors we need disabled people who work at the supermarket we need representation in every um arena and at every every level so that um, when disabled kids are kind of coming through, they can choose whatever they want. Like I'm lucky and particularly fortunate that like my 
skill is in writing, which means that I get to um, put my words out to a big audience and then I'm sort of developing something of a public profile. But I also want to make sure that, like, the kids coming up and kind of other disabled people who are really unsure about what the future might hold know that they don't necessarily have to step into having a public profile or being a public advocate in order for them to be successful either. Because I think public advocacy is a choice and it's not something that we expect of everybody. Sometimes it's just enough that you advocate for yourself and you get through the day and you do what you have to do. And to be honest, there was a time where I definitely thought that being a public advocate was not for me um, because I was struggling so much to keep my own head above water that I was like, God, I can't worry about it about anyone else. It's just like all I can think about is getting through each day. And then sort of as I got older, I realized um, that the literal privilege of like having a voice, and by this I mean the physical act of being able to speak and articulate myself and be understood is a privilege because for anyone who doesn't know, cerebral palsy basically exists on a spectrum where at one end you have people who are only affected on one side, so they might walk a little bit lopsided, they might have a claw hand, they might get fatigue, all that kind of stuff. And then right at the other end, you have people who essentially all they can do for themselves independently is breathe and swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very fortunate to sit in the middle of the spectrum, but that wasn't necessarily going to be the case. In fact, when I was born, um, the doctors told my parents, worst case scenario, that I would never walk, talk or feed myself. So the fact that I do have a voice and that I can be understood is definitely not something I take for granted because it quite honestly wasn't supposed to happen. So now I feel that, well, if I've been lucky enough to, for whatever reason, have that not be the case, then I've got a responsibility to use it. You know, I think I'm one of those people and, and you know, this might sound a little bit woo-woo, but I'm okay with that, um, that I honestly believe that there is a reason for that. We, you know, as the people who follow you and listen to what you have to say, we are the lucky ones who get to hear your thoughts and have you articulate this message that you have for us so beautifully and in a way that is so easy for us to go, oh, yeah, okay, that makes so much sense, Hannah. Thank you. Because I really do think that you are a very special individual and I think your choice to be a public advocate, when you're quite right, it would be perfectly reasonable for you to simply say, I choose me, I choose to take care of myself, I choose to use the voice that I have simply to speak for myself so that I'm able to be treated the way that I want to be treated. Um, Mm -hmm. Your choice to do more is something that's really powerful and something that shouldn't be understated because it's not easy. And we both know that it can be hard to spend a lot of time creating content and sharing what can be trauma to help people understand what it is to live your life, to be in your shoes. I really think that that's something that we, I, I can't understate how grateful I am that I connected with you. 
Aww. Well, that makes two of us. I am extremely grateful that I connected with you because I think the work that you do in making people feel more comfortable in their own skin and more comfortable with their bodies and even like not necessarily having your body be a topic of conversation um, is really important that I've certainly taken a lot out of it because I have struggled a lot with body image and like my relationship to my body um, especially in the context of like what it's supposed to look like or what it's supposed to do or the the ways that I operate differently to all the girls in the magazines or on the billboards or yeah. those sorts of things. I want you to be one of those girls, Hannah. That's that's what that's I want to see. Isn't it? That's what I yeah. want to see. I you know, and I think I said this about my the campaign that I did with Curvy Swim, Beach Please. Um, it wasn't just about the idea of people who have fat bodies being comfortable. It's about everybody. And I think me being the first fat bikini model on a billboard in Australia is just one thing that we need to do and one thing that mainstream media needs to show us. It's not just about that. It's we've really got to, we've got to keep working to diversify, genuinely diversify media and the images of bodies and people who we see and who are championed. And I think that, yeah, I see that in your future. I do. I, I hope you're right there. I hope it. I hope it gets to that stage because I, I, I would love to see it. And I think as well, um, and Carly Finlay does a great job of talking about this. There's a lot of room in mainstream media where disfigurement or other forms of disability that affect how you look are used as symbols of evil mm. or villainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like if we look at, say, this new James Bond film is going to be the biggest film that everyone's talking about. If you look at the history of Bond villains, yeah. most of them have some deformity in inverted commas or mm. facial difference or something along those lines that is meant to be used as a symbol to the audience that, like, they are the bad guy. Yeah, or like, um, you know, the six-fingered man in um, Princess Bride or yeah. Anne Hathaway's digitally altered hands in The Witches. It's not even subtle. No, <laughs> it's, it's no, literally it's not. not subtle. Um, between that and I think, you know, the, the other signalling around, um, you know, whether it's queer villains and things like that, like we, we, we have so far to go in terms of how we show our audiences, especially children, who the bad guy is. Um, yeah, but I think we're further. The fact that the witches came out and there was such a huge outcry and and support for the the message that this was a this was a you know a far cry from what was the right choice from that studio. Yeah. I think that's marvelous because twenty years ago nobody would have said anything. People would have spoken about it in their own you know in their own lives and circles. But a public yeah. message condemning that to the point where Anne Hathaway had to be like, "Holy shit, I've made a terrible mistake." Um, yeah. you know, I think that's so, that's so powerful, but again, the bare minimum, because it should never have happened. Somebody in that room should have been able to go, I don't think we should give her these, you know, these differences, these physical differences to signal that she's 
the ultimate evil. Um, but the fact that there wasn't that person in the room is where you come in because you yes. are you are making a place for people to have powerful voices both online and as part of the media more broadly and for those opportunities to be in the room to happen. Yeah, because I think, and I sort of uh, gave a similar quote, I guess, in an interview that I did recently with Pop Sugar, not to name drop, but <laughs> that was pretty cool, um, where basically I said um, something along the lines of, like, the people who are in power now have seen no reason to change to change things because it suits them. So, like, if we want things to change, the people at the top and the people who have the power to make the decisions have to change too because clearly, like, they're not the ones we want making decisions about those kind of things because they haven't seen the gaps where we see them. Yeah, 100%. And I think the reason for change has to be you wanting it and it it must come from a want to just have a better world because you can't simply say, well, if it doesn't affect me, then I don't need to work for it. That's what allyship is, choosing mm-hmm. to work for a cause that doesn't actually affect you. That's what allyship needs to be about, making yourself uncomfortable, whether that be, you know, opportunities being given to people who haven't had those chances. And, yeah, that maybe means that you don't get as many opportunities. Not everything is finite. Some things are. And I think the ability to choose a better world and a better experience for young people um, over yourself, that's allyship in part. Yeah, definitely. And I think there will be some people who react to that kind of sentiment and go, oh, but this better world is so much more politically correct. This better world is gone too far. This better world is like, mm. why can't we just leave it where no one had a problem? Like, why is everyone so sensitive all of a sudden? <laughs> and it's like, well, actually, they've been sensitive the whole time. They yeah. just now have they just now have the means to express it in a place where you are more likely to hear that they're sensitive are are we sensitive or are you insensitive that's the real yes (laughs) yeah and and like I definitely think one thing that that anyone who creates content online knows people aren't always going to agree with you you're going to get people in your dms who Mm -hmm. hate what you're doing who are very much against it who think that you're being too much or that you're asking too much and I always try and take that um, as a twisted sort of compliment because I'm like well this means my work has actually moved beyond the echo chamber of people who would tell me I was doing a good job regardless of what I was doing it's so true like obviously my family is not going to like pandered to me but there's a level of like they're always going to support what I do yeah so if I'm getting feedback from strangers that they don't like it that means it's moved to strangers if that makes sense yeah yeah that's that they're being exposed to the message and you know if we hope that a a fraction of those strangers instead of hearing it and disagreeing with it hear it and they sit with it and they get uncomfortable with themselves without having to come into your dms and that is a positive change uh, yeah. Hannah, I want to thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. It is 
It's been my absolute pleasure to talk with you. And I just want to know, is there anything that you would like to share with the people who are hopefully listening to this episode? Oh, um, well, first of all, I think if you're listening to the podcast, you're a pretty awesome human because <laughs> that shows that you care and that you want to learn. And um, hopefully I've taught you something and hopefully there's like more places for me to teach, teach you things like come say hi on social media, um, support my projects, check out Missing Perspectives, sign the Disney petition, keep your eyes out for some more cool stuff coming soon. Because that's just what you do. You keep doing more cool things. I am going to put the links to all of the important places like Hannah's Instagram and to the Missing Perspectives website and the petition in the show notes. You can also come and follow me on Instagram where you will always find me sharing things from Hannah. So no worries. You will definitely find us once again. Hannah Divini, thank you so much for being my first Series 2 guest on the podcast. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Podcast, part of the ACAST Creator Network. If you enjoyed it, then don't forget to rate, like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is that you need to do so that you don't miss an episode. And if you know someone that might like it, don't forget to share it with them. You can also come and chat to me about anything from this episode on Instagram or Facebook. You'll find me at The Bodzilla. This podcast is about me, but it's also about you. So if you have questions, need advice, or want to hear my thoughts on something, head to thebodzilla.com and let me know. I'll leave the links where you can find them. Bye.